0: Join in with me in turning to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, we're going to start at verse 15, going down through verse 32. And the word of the Lord reads, if you would stand for the reading of the Lord's word. It reads, so Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, hail the king of the Jews. And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which means You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the king of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. May the Lord have a blessing upon the hearers and doers of his word. Amen. You may be seated. When I was much younger, probably less than 10 years of age, I don't know exactly the age, but uh, probably around eight or so, I'm guessing, uh, I remember vividly how uh, my dad had gotten laid off after working uh, at Ford. Uh, he had been at Ford Motor Company, and, and things weren't going so well, so Ford laid off a bunch of individuals, and my dad happened to be one of them, and... Uh, My dad, what he did while he was laid off, he began to haul cardboard. Uh, So if anyone knows what that's like, my dad, he got a truck, and he would go throughout uh, the city, and he would go to dumpsters, and he would take out cardboard and put it in his truck and stack it up as high as he could get it, and then he'd take it downtown where you would get money for that cardboard. Uh, And it, it... I'm reminded of this because I was, I was young and, and I was fortunate enough to be able to ride along with my dad. So I always looked forward to that. We would jump in the car or the truck and, and we would go and we would, we would stop at White Castles for lunch all the time and then we would go to different dumpsters and and we would get the cardboard out and we would take it downtown and he would get money for it. And I never really knew too much about it then, but I I come to realize how much that event impacted my life. Uh, Just being with my dad, uh, it helped me to understand what it means to work and to provide for your family. Uh, My dad could have just sat at home and said, I'm going to draw unemployment, and I'm just going to take it easy until Ford calls me back, well, my mom, she was working hard as well at GE. Why don't we just let her go ahead and continue to provide an income? But no, my dad said, "You know what? I'm going to I'm going to haul cardboard," and he did that until they called him back. And to this day, that that impacted my life tremendously in how I work and, and how I approach things. And it helped me to see also that we're, we never can be too high to do some of the things that we may think are beneath us at times. My dad had made a good income at four. But yet, even though he was at Ford, he never allowed that to, to impact him such, such that he felt that I can't haul cardboard. But so he was in the dumpsters, day in and day out, getting cardboard. Doing what he had to do to make sure that we had what we needed. And that really impacted my life. And when I think about that time, it, it, it it causes me to think about how much more should what Jesus Christ did on the cross impact my life. My dad endured a great deal. He put up with some stuff. But how much more did Jesus Christ endure and put up with for us when he didn't have to? As we look at the message today, which I'm going to title uh, The Endurance of Christ, We can look at this, we want to look at the the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, uh, if we're honest with ourselves, we may only go to this passage one time during the year, Easter. And sometimes we may be also guilty of looking at the crucifixion, and, and it's easy for us to lose sight of just how much Jesus endured on our behalf. Because we may say that Jesus Christ, we, we, we sing about it and we talk about it Sunday after Sunday, and, and we talk about it so much that sometimes it, it, doesn't, it loses its significance to us. It no longer moves us at times. To the point that sometimes we're, we're looking for the next thing. We're looking for something else to move us. We're looking for the preacher to say something to inspire us different than the crucifixion different than Christ being on the cross and rising from the grave again. We're looking maybe for something else that's going to shape our life and that's going to, that's going to really move us to, 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 to really to move on better than what we are doing now. And, and so for that reason, I want to, to take us back to that event, the most important event in human history. The most important event, important such that everything in the Bible points to this event. Genesis 3 points to this event. The fall of Adam and Eve points to this event when God promised that there would be a seed that would come from the woman that would crush Satan, that would deal a death blow to him and his works. Moses, the Israelites coming from Egypt, points to Jesus Christ and his his redemptive work. As we look at the Passover, what God did in in passing over the Israelites, for those who had blood over their doorposts, we see a foreshadow of Jesus Christ and what is to come. Even the Song of Solomon, I would argue, points to Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to say that it's an allegory, but when we look at how a husband is to love his wife, we see how Christ loves the church. And so everything in the Bible points to this one event because it's so important. You remove the crucifixion. You remove what happened here out of the Bible and you no longer have a Bible. This event is so important and for that reason I want to take us back and hopefully paint a picture for us of what that was like during that time so that we can see, that, and I pray that you will walk away seeing that, that Jesus put up with too much to lose you. Jesus put up with too much to lose you. He endured too much to lose you we we see in this event uh, in mark chapter 15 how things have, have unfolded and unraveled and when I was looking at this particular passage it just it struck me just about how much Jesus Christ endured for my own self for my own sinful self and when we look at all that took place we look at the cross the beatings and everything that Jesus I think many times we we shortchange the significance or the influence or how much went, went on during that time. When we look at what leads up to this particular event, we see Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And what Jesus Christ was going to endure was so agonizing that it says that when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweated drops of blood. And that's a condition they call hematidrosis, where the blood vessels that feed the sweat glands, they rupture when one is under extreme stress, such that they sweat blood. And Jesus Christ is praying to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, under great stress and strain, asking the Father, if it be thy will. Move this cup, but not my will, but thy will be done. It's late at night. Jesus Christ has been with his disciples. He's he's had the Last Supper. And so they've been up for for close to, if not more than 24 hours, such that the disciples, Peter, uh, Peter, James, and John, can't even stay awake when Jesus Christ is praying to the Father. And so Jesus is is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He awaits for those to come and to take him to be crucified. He's willingly given him his life. And so we see this, this event unraveling. And the first thing that stands out to me is the endurance, what Christ endured through being flogged for us. We see that Jesus Christ, Jesus endured flogging. I want to help us to see what that what that looks like. What what does it look like for for, for one to be flogged? Before he was even flogged, Jesus Christ was already beat up. He had already been taken to the Sanhedrin, which was the the Jewish court at that time, ruling ruling authorities with the high priest and the, the chief priest at that time. And so they they captured Jesus Christ. They take him and 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 they 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 try to bring up some charges on them. They, they, false, they bring some false witnesses and some false testimony to Jesus Christ. And they, they spit on Jesus. They, they hit Jesus. They slap Jesus. They do all these things to Jesus Christ. Trying to find a charge. What can they charge him with? And they finally figured that they're going to charge him with claiming to be the son of God. Blasphemy. They're going to charge him with that. They said to Jesus Christ, are you the son of God? And Jesus Christ says, yes, it is as you say. And the, the chief priests, they, they tear their clothes because they can't believe what they're hearing that Jesus Christ is claiming to be the son of God. And so at that moment, they, they begin to have the evidence that they need to, to, to convict Jesus Christ or to, to put him to death is what they, they so desire. And so they take Jesus Christ to Pontius Pilate, which is where we pick up in Mark chapter 15. We, they take him to Pontius Pilate, and, and Pilate begins to question Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, for most of the time, just remains silent, awaiting his fate on the cross. And so we see Pontius Pilate is questioning Jesus Christ. Pontius sends him to Herod Antipas who's another, was one of the governors, and he sends him to, to Herod and, 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 and tries to get Herod to see if he can find something that, that Jesus Christ had done wrong. And Herod says he finds no guilt in Jesus Christ. Sends him back to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate says, I find no guilt in him either. But the, the, the people at the time, the Jews were wanting Jesus Christ to be crucified. The, the chief priests and the leaders, all of them had riled up the crowd to have Jesus Christ crucified at that time. So what Pontius Pilate said that he would do, in order to try to appease the leaders rather than having him crucified, maybe I will have him flogged and have him flogged really bad and then maybe once they see him being punished that way, maybe that will be enough for them to say, okay, that's enough punishment. And so they take him to be flogged and I don't know if you know what it's like to be flogged, but but what they did was they, they had Jesus Christ, they had this Paul. and they would take those who were, who were going to be flogged, and, and they took our Savior, and, and they, they, they stripped him of his clothes, and they had him tied to this particular pole. And they had these whips, and these whips had, they, they had leather whips on the end of them, and they, they had metal balls, and they had pieces of bone. And typically the Romans would, they would have maybe two soldiers, one on each side, who would have these whips. And they would begin whipping Jesus Christ on his back, on his leg, on his buttocks, everywhere along his back, on his shoulders. Now, the Jews typically would not allow one to be whipped more than 39 times or 40 times. But the Romans didn't have any particular limitation. So the Bible doesn't really say exactly how many times Jesus Christ was whipped. We just, I think, sometimes assume it was 39 or 40 times, but we really don't know. Regardless of whether it was 1 or 40 or 50, it was a lot, it was too much. And so they're whipping Jesus Christ, and the flesh is turned from his back. And Jesus Christ is is being whipped, and, and, and as we think about this, and we see this particular event taking place, and we can picture Jesus Christ being whipped on that pole, just remind yourself that that is where we should be. That is where you and I should be. Jesus Christ took our place. That should be my back that is being whipped like that. That should be my legs that are being whipped like that. That should be my shoulders that are being whipped like that. I should be stripped naked on that pole in front of everybody. You and I for our sins. And so Jesus Christ is there being whipped, scourged by the Roman soldiers. And can you think about not just the physical pain, but the emotional scars that are taking place. The emotional scars of of being there in front of everybody and and being exposed and being whipped as he was. And so we see Jesus Christ endured the flogging that you and I deserve. But not only did he endure the flogging, but Jesus Christ endured some taunting as well. As we see in verse 16, after they flogged Jesus Christ, It says that the soldiers led him away inside the palace and they called together the whole battalion. It says they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him and they began to salute him. Hail King of the Jews. So they call all these soldiers a battalion, which is a a cohort and we estimated probably two or three hundred, which it could be up to 600 soldiers, but probably more like two or three hundred soldiers just continuously harassing and mocking Jesus Christ. And so what did they do they do? They began to mock him as being, one of the, as being a king, because he says he's king of the Jews. And so they began to mock Jesus Christ. They, they bring him into this particular location, and, and they put a crown of thorns on his head. Now, I don't know, has anybody done some gardening or whatever where you have bushes and you have thorns, and you've pricked your hand or something like that? I know when I cut grass or something like that, it's just enough, one of those just is enough to make me want to stop. And so let alone the thorns that they're talking about, not the small thorns that we may find in our bushes at times, but big thorns where they twisted it together and they put it on on his head where he's he's being scarred, and and we see that, that that certainly couldn't be something that was enjoyable. So they put the crown on him. And they began to salute Jesus Christ. Hail King of the Jews. They began to mock Jesus Christ. He is the King. Keeping in mind that Jesus Christ is the very one that created them and gave them breath. Gave them breath. And the one who created all things. The one who's sustaining them. The one who's keeping them. The one who is allowing them to be able to to do what they do. And yet he's, he's sitting there. And they began to... They're continuing to mock and they strike him with his head with the the reed and they're spitting on him and kneeling before him and mocking him all the time. Stripping him of of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. All of this taking place, keeping in mind that this should be our place, being mocked in front of everyone. Jesus Christ put up with too much to lose you and me. He endured so much to, to lose you and me. As I was looking at this, I was thinking how much are we willing to put up with ourselves? How much are we willing to endure from others? Are we willing to, how much are we willing to endure in our marriages and our relationships before we let somebody know and give them a piece of our mind? How much are we willing to, to take from somebody else who calls us maybe out of our name or, or looks at us the wrong way? or talks about us differently than we think that we should deserve. When I, when I think about that, it, it leads me back to think about Jesus Christ, who is was the, the very Son of God, who, who was high in heaven and, and decided to, to come down and, to, uh, and to, to spend time with us and to, to down the cross for us. When I think about that, there's and, and, and how he died on the cross, how he suffered mocking, how he suffered the whip, how he suffered all of this, and yet didn't say a word. He put up with too much. And so that we can also put up with some things ourselves. In order for us to put up with some things, we have to to put on things, as it says in Colossians chapter 3, 12 through 14. It says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, bearing, put up with, If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So what are we willing to put up with? As as we look at all that Christ endured, knowing that he has, for those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and have been filled with the Holy Spirit, that should give us the ability to to be able to, to put up with some things ourselves in our life so that our marriages are are a little bit different than those who maybe don't know Christ Jesus. So that when maybe our spouse says something that we don't like, that we don't verbally abuse them. That we don't try to one-up somebody else because they got one over on us. But when one comes into Jesus Christ, when one gives their life to Jesus Christ, it it frees us from the need to retaliate or to be able to, to, to to bring glory for ourselves but to look and see, okay, how can I glorify God in this situation? And that's all that Jesus Christ was focused on at the time was, how can I glorify the Father? And so Jesus wasn't about just doing his own thing and, 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 and coming down, uh, or, or coming down off the cross, or, or not being whipped, because he knew that it was the Father's will for that to take place. And so he was, he was focused on glorifying the Father, and, and we must be the same as well. We must Always keep in mind when we go through trials and tribulations, Jesus Christ says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And so in order for us to put up with some things, we, I think we have to reflect back on what Jesus Christ went through. Jesus Christ certainly didn't deserve what he endured. If, if anything, we deserve what we, what, we, what comes our way. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I... Willing to put up with some things for the glory of of God. Not only do we see Jesus Christ enduring the flogging and enduring the taunting, we also see, of course, Jesus Christ enduring the cross. We see in verse 21, it says, and they compelled a passerby, Simon Serene, of Serene, who was coming in from the country, the follower of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. Jesus Christ is, the flogging is so... Destructive. He's, he's lost so much blood from the flogging that he can't even carry the crossbeam by himself. That was customary for those who were to be crucified to carry their own crossbeam. And Jesus Christ, it says that uh, history says that the crossbeam weighed approximately 100 pounds. And so Jesus Christ is trying to carry this crossbeam. And in verse 21, it says that he's so weak that he can't carry, that they get someone named Simon to help carry that crossbeam for him. And they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which means a place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. Amazing that they offered this, this wine mixed with myrrh to something to kind of help to ease the pain a little bit. But Jesus Christ did not want to dull any of his senses. And so he endured everything. And if anybody knows, sometimes even when you take narcotics, sometimes it skews your thinking a little bit. Leads you maybe to do things that maybe you just normally wouldn't do or think things that you normally wouldn't think. And so Jesus Christ wants to be in total control of what is taking place with all of his faculties, if you will. And at no time, what's so amazing is Jesus Christ did not sin in any of this. As they were whipping him, he did not sin. As they were mocking him, he did not sin at all, not in action nor in thought. And so as they led him like a lamb to be slaughtered, it says in verse 24, and they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. Mark doesn't really put a lot of detail here about the crucifixion because everyone at that time knew what the crucifixion was about. Only thing you had to say was there were, they were, he was crucified, and they would have known the gruesome details of what that was like. And so he tells them that they're crucified, and, and for, for those who may not know what that was like, physically, just physically, the pain of being crucified. So they take Jesus Christ, and what they did at that time, you would, you would carry the cross beam to the place that you were, were going to be crucified, and, and of course they would... Once you get to that location, the crossbeam, they would nail your hands to the crossbeam, your wrists, actually, to the crossbeam. And so they would have these nails that were like five to seven inches long. And they would nail your your wrist to this crossbeam. Just continuously doing that. Keeping in mind, this should be you on that cross. He's, He's your substitute. And so... They're, they're nailing his hands, they're nailing his wrist. And I know some of us, we grimace at, the, at just the thought of it. Sometimes we, we just need to remind ourselves of what Jesus Christ went through when he didn't have to. It's one thing to not be in control, or to to have the power to overcome it, but it's another thing to have the power and to relinquish it. And that's what he did for, for you and I. So he's on the cross, there. They're nailing his wrist, and and then they they put him up on the the pole. And then what they do is they they grab the the feet, and they nail the feet to the the cross. And by this time, keep in mind, Jesus Christ has been flogged such that he's already bleeding a great deal. He's probably near death already. And so, They put him up on the cross, and they join him with two other criminals who are to be crucified. And we see all this taking place, the bugs, the heat, and the heat of the day. It's 9 a.m. when they crucify Jesus Christ. And so Jesus Christ, he's on that cross from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Now, I don't know how many of you have driven to Atlanta before, but that's like a six-hour trip. And I get uncomfortable just driving. When I drive Atlanta, six hours. Just think about being on the cross for six hours. Just think about that pain for six hours. One minute seems like one hour or one day. So he's on that, he's on that cross. He's enduring the mocking for you, for me. And what they're doing, they're, they're also starting to taunt Jesus Christ. Even the passerbys, the bystanders are saying, if, if you, you said you're going to destroy the temple, why don't we see you come off the cross? Which is probably something that they figured is so, certainly much more possible for him to do than rebuild the temple in three days. And so they're mocking Jesus Christ in verse 29, and in verse 30, save yourself, come down from the cross. Now what amazes me is they don't realize that Jesus Christ not saving himself is what is gonna give them an opportunity to be saved. He loved them too much. He loved those who were crucifying him too much to come down off the cross, even though they asked him to come down off the cross, even though they urged and egged him to come down off of the cross. He loved them too much to come down off of the cross. He loved you and me too much to come down off of that cross. And so we see he's on the cross and the the chief priests are, are also mocking him one to another. He saved others, yet he cannot save himself. Keep in mind, the Jews at that time, it would be unthinkable for the Son of God to be crucified, to be killed in any manner, certainly in that way, which was the most gruesome way that it could be killed at the time. Romans did not invent the crucifixion, but they perfected it. And so by the time they were doing it, they had known how to do it very well. And so they got Jesus Christ on this cross. They have the two criminals there. And if it's not enough that the passerbys and the chief priests are the ones who are mocking Jesus Christ and are calling him to, to come down off the cross. Even the criminals are doing the same. They're crucified. Those who were crucified with him also revile him. And so we see Jesus Christ on this cross and even those who were with him are crucified. And this should also help us to see that it's not just the crucifixion on the cross. It's not just the physical Aspect and pain that Jesus Christ died for on the cross that that redeemed us from our sins. It's also just the spiritual aspect of Him taking upon our sins. Because there were many people who were being killed on the cross at that time. These two criminals were killed on the cross at that time. But Jesus Christ endured something so much more than these two criminals on the cross. Because He took upon your sins. Upon himself on that cross, and so he bore the weight of every little sin that you and I have committed, and even to the point to where he 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 endured something that had never been done before, which was spiritual, which was which was separation from the Father, when he yelled, "Elai elai, lama name, my God, my God, why have Thou forsaken me?" That was more probably more painful than the physical. The fact that he bore your sins. The weight of our sins and the father turned away from the son. Such a horrendous event that from 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. it says it was dark. 9 to 12, Jesus Christ crucified. From 12 to 3, he's on the cross still, but it's dark. Everyone knows that something is not right here. It's not just a a normal eclipse that takes place. This is something that even all of creation and God himself has brought forth. And we see that the people as well are are, are just unaware of what's kind of taking place here. But they're still, they're mocking Jesus Christ as he's on the cross. And I, I pray that, as we we think about Jesus Christ on the cross, that we will see, again, that that should be your place and my place. And hopefully that will lead us to, as we live for Christ Jesus, that we will be more encouraged or urged to live a life that brings glory to God. Because he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to do it. He said, It says in Romans 5.8 that he, he demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, he died on the cross for us. While we were yet sinners. He himself bore our sins on the cross, in his body, on the, on the, on the, on the tree that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. So Jesus Christ stayed on that cross so that we would have victory over, over death, that we would that we would no longer be powerless to sin, but we would, that we would be free from the power and the penalty of, of our sin. And we hear that enough times, but I think sometimes we just lose sight of just how important and what Jesus Christ did on that cross. And we see him enduring the cross. We see him enduring the taunting of these soldiers, and yet he did not respond with vengeance. He did not respond, but he responded with mercy. Even Jesus Christ said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. While on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. What mercy, what love Jesus Christ showed. What restraint Jesus Christ showed. And faithfulness he showed on that cross. To not called down 12 legions of angels to do in those who have crucified him and mocked him. But he remained on the cross. Not just any man, but the Son of God who allowed all of this to happen for you and for me. Jesus did it all. He endured what he did to save sinners like you and me. The two criminals... As it mentions in verse 32, it says, those who were crucified with him also reviled him. We know in Luke, we see these two criminals. We see a little bit more detail of what takes place. These two criminals are mocking Jesus Christ. If, if, you, save your, if you can save, save, save yourself, save us. But one of the criminals, something happens to one of the criminals. After he's mocking Jesus Christ, something happens to one of the criminals to the point to where he repents. He, he, he comes to see that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And because he repents on the cross, and he, and he's, and he, and he calls out to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ said, you will today spend it today with me in paradise. As we go back to that, you don't have to turn your Bibles there, but in Luke chapter 23, And he said to them, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. What an amazing event, a situation we have here with the criminal who was once mocking Jesus Christ, is now going, is now going to be saved because he put his faith in Jesus Christ. Reminding us that it's not by works that we are saved, but by grace through faith. And so this criminal will, expend, will spend eternity with Jesus Christ because he repented and turned of his sin. And that same invitation awaits anyone here today who doesn't know Jesus Christ, who hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ. It's that opportunity that Jesus Christ gives to, to acknowledge him as Lord, as Savior, as King of kings, and, and just as this criminal who was who admitted that he was guilty of all of his wrongs, we too must must acknowledge that we are guilty of our own sin. That we deserve what we get, but Jesus Christ did not deserve anything that, he, that happened to him. That he was innocent, and that's exactly what this criminal declares. He acknowledges that, that he deserves everything that he's getting. And because he puts his faith in Jesus Christ, he will be saved. And that same promise stands for anyone here who hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ who doesn't know him. Not by works, but by faith that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose from the grave in three days. This criminal, saved by grace, acknowledging Jesus' innocence, saved because he knew, that there was something different about this man on the cross. Now we can mourn about the situation if Jesus Christ did not raise from the grave in three days, but because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, we can celebrate the fact that, that Jesus Christ has won salvation for those who put their faith in him. For even though it was, it was certainly a brutal situation and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a, something that no one would want to witness, The fact that Jesus Christ willingly went through this so that we would not have to is reason to celebrate and give him praise. It's reason to to, to glorify God each and every day. It's reason to to live a life that that says that I will not live for myself, but I will live for him who died on the cross and set me free. Because Jesus put up with too much to lose you to sin. Jesus Christ died. He, he, He put up with too much for you and me to lose us to anything that separates us from God. And so I I just urge you and encourage you at this time to to think about all that God has done in sending his son, how God planned for this to take place before the creation of the world even took place, how He, he planned for his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you before you and I were even born, before there was uh, an earth, before anything had, had existed, Jesus Christ had, had already planned for this to take place. And praise the Lord that Jesus Christ did not sin at anything that took place on that very day. And because he didn't sin, my sin, your sins, are, are, are with him on, were with him on the cross. And when Jesus Christ was buried in that tomb, Our sins were were buried and, and nailed to that tomb and buried with him as well. And when he rose from the grave in three days, for those who put their faith in him, you arise anew, a new creation in Jesus Christ. That promise awaits anyone here today who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like that criminal, we must put our faith in Jesus to experience the new life that Jesus gives. And I pray that you will know that Jesus Christ put up with too much He bore too much on that cross for you. And so when we're discouraged in our walk, when you feel like you can't overcome the sin that you may have been struggling with, hopefully you can look at that cross and say that Jesus Christ put up with too much. And because he endured all that he did on that cross, I know that I can overcome whatever sin that I'm struggling with. When you're struggling with situations in your marriage or your relationship, you can look at that cross and say that Jesus Christ put up with too much for me to give up. When you're struggling to to live out this Christian walk, when others may be mocking you or making fun of you because of your being faithful to God, you can can look at that time on the cross and say that Jesus Christ put up with too much for me to give up now. When you're tempted to give up and fall back or to go back into the ways that you used to live because it it seems too difficult for you, you can look at that time on the cross, look at Jesus Christ, on that cross, when he died on that cross for you and me, you can say that Jesus Christ went through too much for me to give up now. When you start to be discouraged in your walk, in some way, you can look at that cross and know that Jesus Christ put up with too much to lose you. He paid it all, all on that cross. And I want to encourage you that if you don't know Jesus Christ today, to accept his invitation, to, to turn to him for the pardon of your sins. It says in Romans 10:9 that anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and rose from the grave, then you will be saved. And I'm sure there's somebody in there who hasn't given their life to Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to not. To, to, to prolong or to put off that time and that moment that, it, that is offered to you today to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Like that criminal on the cross, it's not too late, but you never know when our time is up, when God is going to call us, or when, God, when Jesus Christ is going to return. So don't delay today but respond to his invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no greater love that was shown by Jesus Christ than to give his life on the cross. There was no other way to gain salvation for you and I than for him to, to die on that cross. That's the reason why Jesus Christ did not come down off of that cross because he knew there was no other way for you to be saved. Let us pray.